Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast, an AFC Championship Game edition. I mean, how are we liking it right now, Bills Mafia? Feeling good? I mean, it's the first time since 1993 the Buffalo Bills have been in the AFC Championship Game. And as ironic, coincidentally, I always mix up those two words, whatever it is, It's against the same team they played then, the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember back then it was going to their last of the four straight Super Bowl run. Well, Bills fans now, of course, hoping that this is the start of something very special. But to do that, they're going to have to get through the reigning world champions and a team that beat them back in week six. And that, of course, is the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. A friend of mine from college. No, not the guy that just got elected to the White House, but he's a president in his own right. And that is Seren Petro, host of the program, Day 10 WHB. Hey, we got a uh, we got a Syracuse guy in the White House. Can we get Jimmy Bayheim's wins back now, buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's all oh, get started there. I'm, I'm definitely all, all for that. It is nice to have a, a, a Syracuse guy, our first, right, as far as I know. Uh, we, we've never had uh, any kind of uh, presidential claim. Grad degree, if people are wondering. I thought the mm-hmm. president went to Delaware. He did, but graduate degree. Uh, at Syracuse. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll claim uh, some presidential, uh, you know, perfume on the university now. Absolutely. But I do want to make clear, I thought it sounded a little bit like you and I might have been classmates of Joe Biden. We may be old, <laughs> but we were not there when Joe Biden was there. We're much younger than uh, President Biden. So, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, good times all around. Hopefully good times uh, for the country moving forward and uh, good times to have Chiefs and Bills back together, man. I, I, I remember that that 94, January of 94, end of the 93 season AFC Championship game. And for a long time, that was the only glory there was to talk about in Kansas City when it came to football. Yeah. And, you know, the Bills fans have made a big mistake the last. A lot of them keep telling me, oh, so after Philip Rivers retired, they're like, you know, Philip Rivers played his last game against the Bills. So did Joe Montana. I'm like, no, Montana played one more year, right? Seren, you remember that final year? Because it wasn't that year. He, he hung on one more year after that. Yeah, he did. He had he had a two year deal with the Chiefs. Uh, ninety three was the better year. They came back, went nine and seven, and then uh, lost in the playoffs. Uh, they got into the playoffs at nine and seven, and maybe it was ten and six. I thought it was nine and seven. Anyway, and, and lost in the playoffs. Um, and so, um, and then that was it. Very unceremonious. Uh, uh, Montana battled injuries uh, a lot that next year, and so. Uh, but uh, the highlight of the Montana Marcus Allen era was that ninety three team that uh, improbably. Uh, they won on a comeback. They, they got a touchdown late to beat the Steelers at home, or maybe it was the Raiders. I get those two years mixed up. Anyway, that until Patrick, until uh, the Chiefs won in Houston in 2015 were their last playoff wins of any kind, and they hadn't won at home at Arrowhead 
in you know until 2018 when Patrick Mahomes came. Since that like 93, uh, 94 range, but yeah, and then went down, beat Buddy Ryan and the and uh, the Houston Oilers to get to mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills, and you know there was real optimism here. In reality, uh, they'd gone further than they probably deserved. The Oilers were really the class of the AFC that year, and the Chiefs did a great job knocking them off, but they ran into a buzzsaw on the Bills that day. Of course, Montana got knocked out. A lot of people say, well, what if Montana get, didn't get knocked out? What if Kibble Anders didn't drop the throw in the end zone? You know, it could have been a different game. I don't know. Maybe it could have. I think it would have been like the same stuff I'm hearing from Browns fans about well, what if they called helmet to helmet? Right. At the end of the day, you know this more than anybody, Sal. Good teams find a way to win close games. Bad teams find a way to lose close games. Chiefs have been doing it all year. They would have found a way to win. It's a great launching point for what I'm about to ask you because, you know, a lot of Bills fans are wondering how come the Chiefs have played so many close games? And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I say is I'm not saying they're disinterested necessarily, but they know what they need to do to win every game. Every game has its own DNA. The object isn't to blow teams out by 30. The object is to win every game. And that's what they keep doing, of course, short of the game against the Raiders and then the finale that didn't mean anything. But why have they played so many close games? Why aren't they pulling away from teams? You know, I think there's two schools of thought, and history is is going to pick one based upon how they finish this game or next two games, if they're fortunate enough to beat the Buffalo Bills. I, I think one is that this is a team that for the first time is finding out what it means to be a defending champion. I can tell you, I've never covered a defending Super Bowl champion until this year, and I think it is different. You do have the target. You do have the bullseye. Everybody's gunning for you. And so, uh, and, and you have a shorter offseason. You know, they didn't get to the offseason until about, you know, February 10th or 11th. By the time you go through parades and TV shows and everything, it's a shorter offseason. Then they've had to deal like everybody else. I think every team is worn down now from going through all the pandemic protocols. So it's been a very taxing season. And I think if the Bills beat them and maybe even win by double digits or something like that, uh, I will look back and say this was a tired team that gave everything it had. But it's really hard to put back-to-back championship seasons together, everything that goes in to doing it, and they just ran out of gas and ran into a very good Buffalo Bills team, right? Not to take anything away from the Bills, but I think that'll be the narrative from Kansas City's uh, viewpoint. I think, you know, the, if, if that's how it goes, that, that'll be what we think. And, and, and I think the other one is exactly what you said, Sal. You know, in the past, when you're trying to make your name, trying to validate who you are, trying to prove that you're a championship-caliber club, you can only do that once you get to and then win the Super Bowl. And the days and weeks and games leading up to it, Every game, you're trying to prove that you're a championship team. And that means, you know, I think when you get somebody down, uh, you keep trying to put them down to show that we're not just a little bit better, we're way better. We're the best team. We can win this championship. But I think you do it not not really to, to prove it to other people, to prove it to yourself that, that we're good enough to win. And I think, you know, I've seen teams, you know, even Dick Vermeil's teams offensively, if they, if they had a day, man, they were going to have a day. And I think it was they were trying to validate to themselves that they were good enough to win it all. And so that is now gone. I mean, this team, it's the run it back tour is what they've called it. They brought back uh, 20 of 22 starters from last year's team. And they even brought one of those back and signing Stefan Wisniewski off the waiver wire. So really like uh, 21 of 22 starters uh, back for this team from last year's uh, club. And so, you know, they, they don't have that need when they get up and they feel like the game is won. Uh, then, then the job has been accomplished. And I think they do kind of let down a little bit late in games. I, we're, the, I think the hope is that that will change in the playoffs. They didn't get a chance to do that because Patrick Mahomes went down against the Browns. But, you know, in a lot of those games, they won 10 in a row before they mailed in the final game. The last seven were by six points or less. If you go back and look, 
you'll find a lot of double-digit leads and, and some big mm-hmm. double-digit leads in those games that were close. Some with, oh, by the way, touchdowns. Some with touchdowns that meant that they had to get some first downs to finish it. The Dolphins game comes to mind. The Bucks game uh, was like that, where they closed it up a little bit closer uh, than, than probably the fans would have liked. But always having the ability to do what they needed to do to get the win. So, you know, I, I think they're a mix of both of those things. A little bit worn down, a little bit tired. Uh, but also a team that, that doesn't feel like they have anything to prove. And so when they get the win, it's on to the next one because ultimately what's going to measure this season as either a success or failure is only one game. Everything will be a failure unless they win the Super Bowl or at least get back to the Super Bowl. That's what it's all about. And I think there are times that they do uh, set the game plan, set the effort, set the emotion on the shelf uh, when, when they feel like they've got the game in hand. Obviously, the big news this week is Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think anybody doesn't expect him to play at this point. You know, eventually he'll clear the protocols. He can practice all week. But I am a little wondering about the toe as well. So if you can kind of touch on both issues and where you think this is going, because, you know, he seemed like he was hobbling pretty good on that thing. We'll see where it goes. But I expect the Bills maybe to at least test to see if he can move around back there as effectively as he normally does. Yeah, Andy Reid uh, was asked about uh, the toe. You know, obviously all the all the questions were about the concussions initially, but then he, he got hit with, you know, he he was, you know, limping around pretty good. You know, how's the toe? And and he gave his, uh, yeah, it's fine, fine, fine. So what does that tell me? It's not fine. It's definitely a problem. That's Andy Reid when he wants to give no credence to something that is clearly an issue. And I think the toe will be an issue. In fact, I think the toe will be an issue until, uh, you know, he can have a, a, a long rest. I mean, turf toe, is something that, you know, puts running backs on the sideline. They just can't play through it. And, and if you if you watch the game, you saw how much pain he was in. It's a very painful injury. It's not one that takes you off your feet. It's one that'll take a running back, you know, out of the game. But Patrick Mahomes is arm first, leg second. Now, he's still scooted around pretty good. I, I'd say he looked like he was 85 90% of his ability to run. And, and for the most part, other than the play that ultimately got him knocked out of the game, whether it was a concussion or a choking or a, a hit, a blow to a nerve, there are all these theories and things that the Chiefs are floating to try to avoid the concussion side of things, but they didn't tease in the concussion protocol. Um, you know, for the most part, you can, you, you know, he can do what he needs to do and still be fairly elusive. He won't be as elusive. And I think that's the pick your poison for the Buffalo Bills, because he is by far in, in all the metrics, the best in the league when it comes to beating the blitz, right? He'll do it with his mm-hmm. arm. If there's receivers there, he'll buy time and, and beat you then later with his arm, uh, off schedule, you know, as the play starts to break down, the Chiefs receivers are well-schooled in what they're supposed to do after the routes have been run and the play's still been kept alive by his legs. He'll lose some of that, and then he will beat you with his legs. He'll run for first downs, and he'll lose some of that as well. So the job definitely gets easier for the Buffalo Bills when he loses some of that mobility, but I wouldn't count on him being Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, you know, sitting duck type of quarterback. I, I think he'll still have some mobility but I think there's no doubt that that toe will be an issue for as long as the Chiefs remain alive in the playoffs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, he's been banged up. He's missed a little bit of time. Sammy Watkins, he didn't play in the first meeting against the Bills. We all know Alaire did. He obviously had that big monster game. Uh, what do you think and what did you read on the situation with those two players in particularly? So both of them back at practice yesterday, but the Wednesday practice is one that you'll see a lot of guys give a try to because it's uh, much more of just going through the motion. Thursday is the real practice where right. uh, you really have to make it happen. And so today, uh, you know, the Thursday practice is the big one. As of Wednesday, they were both in practice. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I'd be a little bit more optimistic about because he gave it a go last Wednesday. Then they shut him down Thursday and Friday. But if they put him in last Wednesday, they thought there was a chance for Sunday, or they at least thought 
they could knock off a lot of the rust and look ahead to the following week. I, I think based on that, based on the fact that they gave it a shot last week, makes me think that they've got a decent chance uh, to get him back. They need him back. Daryl Williams is a running back that you know you, you love to have as a backup because he kind of knows who he is, right? There's a hunger there uh, and, and a want to do the little things to stay on the roster. He, he knows you know, by now in his career that he's not going to lead the league in rushing, that what he does is pick up the blitz, be assignment sound, catch the football when it's thrown to you, and get every inch that's given to you and whatever more you can get by just going straight down the field. He doesn't try to get too cute. Ball security is important. He knows he's got to do the little things to be on this roster, and, and that creates a very effective running back when you've got a great passing attack, right? All he has to do is be a really good changeup. He doesn't have to be the fastball, and he knows it. So they can be very effective with Daryl Williams. He does still present, and he runs tough. He runs physically. Uh, and so he, he is still a threat. He, he makes the running game still a threat uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the guy that takes four and makes it 15, takes 15 and makes it 30. Uh, you know, he's not really a go-the-distance guy because the, the pure straight-line speed isn't there. But you, you saw it in that game, that, that first game, just how elusive he is, how tough he is, how great his balance is. Arms are not going to bring him down. You're going to have to get a couple of helmets on the guy if you're going to bring him down. And so that will be really big for the Chiefs. Uh, if the Bills want to roll it back and say, hey, we're taking taking the top away. You're, you're not getting anything over the top. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be a big boost. But make no doubt about it. You know, the Chiefs were up 19-3, 19-10 when Patrick Mahomes went down. And I think well on their way to getting to 33, 36 points against the Cleveland Browns had they not lost Patrick Mahomes. So uh, that, you know, they can still put big totals up. And there was no Sammy Watkins last week either. Uh, so they can still put big totals up and have plenty of weapons, even if they don't have those guys. But but it, it is, you know, I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people here in Kansas City, every time someone goes down, they think it just doesn't matter, right? Because the Chiefs find a way to mm -hmm. get it done. Eventually, you take on more injuries than you can handle. It's a death by a thousand cuts. And, and I think that's, you know, where the Chiefs might find themselves. Because on the other side of the ball, Rashad Fenton was out last week. Um, you know, he practiced. And then Rashad Breeland's in the concussion protocol as well. So their, their depth of corners has been tested. So if, if the defense is given up more than they've given up. You know, they, they played great against Atlanta in the last game. They tried allowing only 14 points. And then I think played really well against the Browns and giving up 17 points to them. You know, if, if you're now giving up 24 and, and 30 and 31, you're putting more pressure on the offense to stay out in front. So they, they, they do have their share of injuries and, and we'll see if that, uh, if that ends up being what drags them down here against the bills. Should we even pretend to know what's going on with Sammy Watkins mind or body? I mean, <laughs> that, that guy, yeah, you never know, right? no, it, 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 it's, you know, it's interesting because there were stats coming into this year. Now, I, we haven't run them this year, but, you know, how much better the Chiefs were when he played. And, you know, you can look back at his stats over the last couple of years, and if you're not gonna, it's not going to be because of his production because there's nothing in, the, in those numbers that will really wow you. He blocks really well. Their, their yards per carry, it's amazing how much higher it was coming into this year when they had him versus when they didn't. Uh, but he is a guy that, that can go, you know, be a, a definitive threat uh, as a secondary target and, and, you know, doesn't mind, you know, doesn't get diva. You know, that's one thing I'll give him, you know, there's no, you know, why am I not getting the ball? You know, he did have a comment in the off season about, well, they, you know, if, if a thousand yards is what the team wanted me to get, then the coaches would make sure I got a thousand yards, which I think there's something to that, right? Quantity of targets. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a, a lot of your ability is based on your availability. And there's not much availability with Sammy. And, 
you know, there's no doubt they overpaid three years, 48 million for him when they originally signed him. He took a discounted deal, knocked 7 million off. And, you know, he had a chance with incentives to make that back. And I think everybody knew he wasn't going to get that done. So, you know, they, they took 7 million off that deal this year. And, and, you know, he's been, nobody complains because they won a championship, right? And not every contract is going to be absolutely efficient and perfect. You're going to overpay in some places. It's why you got to get production from a fourth round pick like Legereus Sneed, who's playing like a number one corner. You've got to find those values elsewhere, but Sammy's part of the equation. He definitely makes him a better team. I think they've done a better job of, of being successful without him this year. Uh, and I think there were some anomalies to those numbers, like Eric Fisher being out a lot of the games he was out, and, you know, different guys that, that kind of contributed to it, but uh, you know, they're better equipped to play without Sammy Watkins now, but they would certainly still like to have him out there to be able to put full pressure on that bill's defense. I went back and I watched the week six game uh, last night and boy, I I think Josh Allen just looked super uncomfortable. Now, some of that was Josh had been coming off a bit of a shoulder injury. John Brown was definitely hobbled. There's no doubt, but I thought the chiefs did a good job of, you know, just kind of maybe frustrating him a bit and keeping everything underneath. Um, This hasn't been a great defense, but they're good enough, right? I mean, do they do what they have to do? And if you can give us a, maybe a little uh, thumbnail basically on how to maybe attack that defense, Steve Spagnuolo's defense, what they do really well and maybe areas they're vulnerable. Yeah, I, I think they're the definition. And if anybody bristles with this, uh, you should just spend your time watching old NFL films and, and not your current team because they're the definition of bend but don't break. Right. And I think the reality is with the, with the talent level in the NFL at the skill positions, the quarterback's abilities, the receiver's abilities, the gloves the receivers wear, uh, just the freakish ability to, to make incredible catches and throw the ball, and then the rules making it so much easier for the offense to move the ball, that is really the mindset you have to have. And we've got four teams. You know, the Chiefs are the lowest scoring team left in the playoffs, which is which shocks all the Kansas City people when I remind them of that fact. Uh, but, you know, it, it's defense is more like basketball now, right? It's more like NBA defense. No one's winning 104 to nothing in the NBA. Shutouts don't exist. You're going to give up points. The question is, can you get to the red zone and make them threes and not, not sevens? You know, four-point plays is what Anthony Hitchens and, the, and Steve Spagnuolo calls them. Can you make those four-point plays to keep them out of the end zone? Can you create some turnovers, right? And if you can get some big negative plays, then you can you can force the punt. But reality is, offenses are going to move the ball. And I think Steve Spagnuolo in his year out uh, did a great job of really adapting to that, right? There's similarities between him and McDermott. They both link back to Jim Johnson with the Philadelphia Eagles. They were on the same staff together. So there's similar principles in what they do defensively. But I think Spagnuolo has recognized, you know, 30 to 30 and, and maybe even 20 to 20 is yardage that you have to be willing to give up, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to give up the big plays force the other team down the field and see if they will make a mistake. But where he's really good, what they do a great job of is back in their secondary. They've got four corners. I mentioned Legereus Sneed, uh, the fourth-round pick this year, who you know has been just tremendous for the Kansas City Chiefs. He, he plays in the slot mostly, but he's not your normal slot corner. He's 5'11", 195. You know, he looks like he could step out on the field and play for Nick Saban at Alabama. He's the prototype guy. And he runs a sub-4-4-40, which makes you scratch your head and say, well, why was he available? And, and part of the reason is he, he bounced back and forth between safety and corner. And the Chiefs have lots of guys like that. Both their safeties, Thornhill and Tyron Matthew, both played corner at times in college, but they line up at safeties. They can come up and cover one-on-one, and they're comfortable doing that. That's, they're not out of their element when they do it. Rashad Fenton, Charvarius Ward, both have had a little bit of time at safety in this defense. They're very good. They're very deep at corner uh, and, and with guys that are good. Maybe not you know, shut down. Stephen Diggs were taking him out of the game one-on-one. Legere Sneed, go get him. They're not that kind of guys, 
but they can line any of them up on Legereus Need, and they don't really lose anything. So they can show you the same look down after down and really be doing something very different because of the versatility of everybody. So their strength, never mind the fact that they're paying two guys up front over $20 million each, really their strength is in the back, right? It's, it's in that secondary. That's where they're really good. And I think if there's a weakness, it's that they have not been getting pressure. Frank Clark has had a really disappointing season after they gave up a first and a third and a $100 million contract uh, to him going into last year, kind of like Watkins. Not a lot of complaints, but he's definitely being overpaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the championship kind of erases, you know, any stink that would be there for that contract. Chris Jones doesn't have the 14 sacks that he had last year or maybe two years ago, I think it was. Uh, he doesn't have that sack total, but the pressure numbers are still there. He's the second best uh, interior pass rusher to Aaron Donald. It's by a wide margin. He's closer to third than he's first, but he is, you know, very, very good on the inside. And that's the guy. Mitch Morris and, and everybody on the inside for the Bills will have to account for him. Frank Clark has been very ordinary on the other side. Uh, the rest of the defensive line are, are really, frankly, just jags. Uh, they're guys that know their role, do their job. Uh, they will stand up the offensive line. They, they, will, they will protect their gaps. They'll do a good job. Uh, and the linebackers are also solid. So, like, how would I attack them? You know, two years ago, the Packers victimized them with the running backs out of the backfield. Um, we've seen tight ends get to them. Dan Sorensen is a is a very good player. Again, very versatile, kind of an in-the-box safety that really mostly plays linebacker in your passing downs. But he's not the world's greatest athlete, so he can be beaten. He can beat you because he's super smart, but athleticism-wise, he's not the best. I'm surprised that more teams haven't really focused on getting the running backs and the tight ends the ball uh, in the passing game. That, to me, is where they're not real athletic. Willie Gay Jr. was drafted to shore that up in the second round as a linebacker out of Mississippi State. And you can see the athleticism. It jumps off the screen when he's in the game. He's not practicing. He's, he's got a ankle sprain and didn't play last week and had, didn't practice yesterday. So I don't expect him to play. Anthony Hitchens is a smart linebacker that gets him in position, but he's not very good in coverage. Uh, you know, the, the, all their linebackers really grade poorly in coverage. So to me, if I were going to attack him, it would be a steady dose of Singletary catching the ball out of the backfield. Let's put pressure on that uh, you know, middle defense, middle le- level of defense of the Kansas City Chiefs and see if we can't move the ball that way. Knox, the tight end, would be heavily featured uh, in the game plan for me. Um, you know, and, and then if you can bring them up, you know, get the safeties, get Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill happen to get incorporated in that, then I, I, I would start taking my shots down the field. I, I would work backwards from the way the Bills like to work. Um, and, and, and I would be real leery of, of the blitz because Spagnola doesn't bring it all the time, which is why sometimes they don't get to the quarterback. But when he does, it's been very, very effective. It's amazing. When you see a DB come, they're usually coming untouched and they create problems. And, and Legereus need had a sack and a couple other quarterback pressures last week. Uh, against the Browns that were a big part of getting the stops for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's great what you brought up Jim Johnson and Sean McDermott, the same thing. One thing I noticed about McDermott, this started back in the Seahawks game early in the season, DB, late pressure with the DBs. And and what you're saying is Spagnola can do that too. And it's right, like they, they're so good at designing these things and these guys get there. They don't always get there, but big play by Levi Wallace, uh, you know, sacking Lamar Jackson last week on their very first drive. And, you know, that's been something Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde do the same thing. I think it's a good calling card these days. You know, these offenses are just so good. You can't just straight up do something anymore. You have to find ways to kind of design that. The Bills and McDermott's done the same thing with those DBs coming in late, especially. Yeah, the, the idea, you know, the, the Buddy Ryan 46 defense, it, it's it's gone, right? That's done. They've, they've neutralized that. Coming out here in our game plan is to just run the ball and punt. 
because we know eventually we're going to take the ball away at short yardage and we're not going to give anything up. It doesn't exist. And, and I think the defensive coordinators that have adapted to that, and if you look at the rankings, you know, uh, for the Chiefs defense, you're going to see the run defense in the 20s. Um, you're going to see that the pass defense is up, in, I think, in the top 10. I think it's six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. But just look at how much better they are points allowed than yards allowed. And that's a calling card. Andy Reid's now this year, I think it's finally he's gotten so high in offense that it's, it's hard to be higher, you know, in, in points allowed and points scored but uh, than it is yards when you're up there in the one or two range. But, you know, every year that he's been here, they basically are better in points uh, than yards on both sides of the ball. And I think that speaks to one of the great, uh, uh, you know, absolutely not getting credit enough uh, is Andy Reid's game management. <laughs> you know, he's, he's been called a moron for it. And in reality, he's one of the best. He just didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback to execute everything to the highest level. Now he does. And people are seeing the way he manages the game. And, and the defense, I think Steve Spagnuolo is the same way. He knows what yards are important. And he'll give up the ones that aren't to make sure that he keeps as many points off the board as he can. And he doesn't go play hero ball with his defense trying for a shutout. He knows that they're going to give up some points. Let's make sure we just minimize it. We don't have to have a shutout because the offense is going to go score 30-plus points. Patrick Mahomes lost nine games, right? In eight of them, the opponent had to get to 31 points to beat him. Right? And, and they didn't. It wasn't thirty-one-three. It was thirty-one-thirty. He lost forty-four-forty-one to the Patriots on, on a Sunday night game. Fifty-four-fifty-one to the Rams. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, you're going to have to score points. And then that shouldn't scare the Bills. They're one of the best at doing it, so they can play that game. Um, I think it's two teams that are very similar. Neither one of them are going to pound the rock, but they'll run uh, when it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them have great quarterbacks. Both of them will push the ball down the field. But I think both defenses are built upon playing the game that they need to play uh, to go with their offense. So, you know, I, I, I think you're looking at two of the smartest organizations in football. I know the guys at Pro Football Focus rave about the Bills organization top to bottom, that they just love what they do. And I, and I think both these organizations are really smart and are really good at being ahead of the curve of where the game is going. You don't hear them preaching, you know, we got to establish the run, we got to do this or that. You know, they, they, they talk about, you know, the, the advantages you need to have to win in the modern game of football. And, and, I, and I think that's, that's why this game is, you know, I know everybody's focused on Brady versus Rodgers. Well, we may be watching the future Brady versus Rodgers and Mahomes versus Allen, but also these organizations, to be honest with you, both these coaches are frankly better than the coaches that are going to be on the NFC side. I think both organizations are better than both organizations on the NFC side. It's too bad these two teams can't play in the Super Bowl because I think these are actually the two best teams. They're certainly the two best organizations uh, that are that are left in this tournament. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with you about the organizations, and I don't think there's any coincidence that one has Andy Reid and the other has their coach that came from Andy Reid's tree. I mean, you know, he's right. just he's he's been been great over the years. Seren Petro, sports talk host, eight ten H W H B A M in Kansas City, joining me here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. Two more questions, then we got something cool we want to share with everybody. Um, I agree with you, by the way, about the running backs. Um, Singletary, the very first play of the second half in week six, the Bills threw it through a screen past him. He went for 13 yards. I, I couldn't believe they didn't go back to it. They never really did. Dan Orlovsky tweeted the same thing today. He said, I think Devin Singletary uh, could play a really big role. But anyway, just that, a comment on that. But here's the question. What's up with the Chiefs red zone and goal to go defense? Because they rank you know, near the bottom in the league when they get down there, is it just, you know, basically not being able to match up personnel or the physicality of once you get inside that area, what is that? Right. And, and so like, I think that's one it's real. Okay. It, it, it's real. Like, like the Chiefs aren't really, you know, 
short yardage running. They, they're non-existent. They, they've got a bunch of, like on the offensive side of the ball, that's one of the stats that gets brought up. It's like, you know, why don't they just run it? Because they suck. They, they, they've got a bunch of offensive tackles that are that were, you know, drafted to pass block. And so when they try to bulldoze somebody, they don't do it, right? You can't be good at everything, right? You're a coach, right? If you, you know, reps are the most important yeah. thing you've got in anything you do, right? But also you've got to coach to your strengths. And, you know, on offense, they don't run the ball well. On defense, listen, they're, they're designed to, you know, sit back and make big plays and create takeaways uh, in that secondary. That's how they're designed. And, and I think so. I think there's a little bit that they are vulnerable at times. But I think the bigger picture on that is it, it's a little bit of, of white noise. Um, number one, there aren't many red zone trips, right? They do right. a pretty good job of limiting you of getting into the red zone. That, that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about. People talk about the percentage but they don't talk about the quantity of times that teams are actually down there. So I think that's an important one. And then I think there are a lot of, oh, by the way, scores. Uh, look, they won 14 games for a reason. We're not talking about trying to figure out, okay, the reason they only won two games is because they can't stop anybody when they get to the 20, right? They're still winning games. And I think they play the score. And, and like I said, the Bucks game, they were up, I, I, I want to say, 17 points going into the fourth quarter. Ended up having to, I think, get a first, get a first down as an offense to keep them from getting the ball with a chance to uh, take the lead. But you know they gave up points. I mean, I think they were playing against the clock, and and I think that's the thing that we're waiting to see. Do we see that? Okay, like we talked about earlier, they're doing what it takes to win games to get to where their season's ultimately going to be measured. That's in the postseason. And do we see them flip a switch? Are there things that they've left on the shelf that they can bring out uh, that, that will make them more effective? You know, I, I think there, there is – you don't like to see that because habits are created. And if you're getting into a habit of when teams get close of giving up touchdowns, that's not good. So, so it is an issue. The Chiefs are very much aware of it. Andy Reid answers that question on a semi-regular basis. Uh, Steve Spagnola does, uh, you know, on coordinator day, answer that question on a regular basis. But I, I, I wouldn't put too much into that. Uh, I think it's more an anomaly than it is, you know, a glaring weakness that, oh, whatever, if we can just get to the 20, then we're cruising in. I, I don't think it's that easy. All right. Great point on that. Now, the last question is just on special teams. And if you can kind of, you know, give us a, a, a little, you know, briefing on what to expect there, because there was an extra point miss and that happens. But I know here we have a rookie kicker. He's had an outstanding season. The kid's been money. Uh, he broke the all-time Bill single season record, Tyler Bass for points, but he is a rookie and it is the AFC championship game. So I think people, whenever he runs out there, you know, you're like, okay. And you, you hold on to the chair. Andre Roberts, one of the best in the business in the return department as well. So I think people kind of, you know, look to that to maybe here or there, give the bills an edge, in some sort of way to maybe get field position or a big play. What about on the chief side of things? Yeah. Butker missing the extra point. He missed a field goal as well. And, and, you know, that's uh, kind of contributes to what I was talking about, about, I think that Browns game was about ready to get out of hand when, when Patrick Mahomes went down, it could have been 23 to three at one point. Um, and, and, but they left four points and, and that was a problem, you know, mid season Butker got into a rut where he was missing extra points. And people tried to say, well, it's only extra points. Like that's just coincidence guy. That's not a thing that he's just decided he's going to miss the one-pointers. Uh, he was still hitting the field goals. He did here, he by the way, too. Lot. Week six, he missed an extra point here in Buffalo with a, the, uh, week six. Yeah, yeah and that, that was part of that stretch. And he was into a, about a three-game rut uh, to where he was really having problems. And they started, like, instead of centering the ball, putting the ball on the, on the hash mark, he said, you know, field goals are usually on the hash mark. I'm used to that, like right in the middle. You always hear about, well, they want to get the ball centered for the kicker. You know, he, he was kind of tinkering around that that was maybe the problem is that he actually, you know, the angle is better because that's what he practices more because it's supposed to be harder. He came through that and was kicking very well. 
and then it reared its head again this past week. Uh, it took several weeks for him to get back on track. So that could be a giant part of this game. He is one of the best. And I think one of the things that's maybe got him off track is he's got an incredibly strong leg. And, you know, he, he's made 80 yarders uh, in practice. And, and so I think that's one of the things he really wanted to do. He, you know, he, he's, he's a tremendous worker. And in the offseason, he wanted to increase his distance. You know, he came in to the league on the, on the Panthers practice squad known as a guy who had distance but no accuracy. The Chiefs grabbed him off the practice squad. He worked with Dave Tobe, and immediately he was much more accurate than we thought he was going to be. You saw the distance on the kickoffs, but he wanted to add that distance. And I, and I wonder if by going for distance, he didn't lose some of the precision that was there. And so that is definitely something to watch in this game. I think the other thing is, though, Dave Tobe is the greatest special teams coach that has ever lived. And that may sound like hyperbole, but go look it up. Look at football outsiders. Look, look at the, the people that measure uh, the metrics uh, of special teams. And I, there was a, a story that came out, I think, one or two years ago, where of the top 20 special team seasons, I think Dave Tobe had coordinated six or seven of them, seven of them, and he had done it for three or four different teams, right? He had done it with the Eagles, the Bears, the Chiefs, and maybe it was three. Uh, you know, so wherever he goes, he has great special teams. Uh, he, they, they return kicks better than anybody, right? And he's done it with, it's not just, you know, oh, he, he had one great returner. He did in Chicago. Um, you know, I forget the guy's name who has the record or was close to the record, Devin Hester. I uh, he had Devin Hester, but in Kansas City, he's had, you know, probably at least a dozen guys return kicks for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And so they're excellent in the return game. They're, they're very smart when it comes. Their coverage units are great. Uh, they do have a rookie punter in Townsend who's not as good directionally as Dustin Colquitt, the old veteran, was, uh, who, by the way, is back on the practice squad. He's not as good directionally at pinning teams down inside the 10, uh, but, but he has a big leg, and so he can kick them out of some, some problems. They are a very good special teams unit. They, they, it's, it's a place where they've won games, and so the kicker is, a, is certainly a question mark with the season he's had, uh, but, but the rest of the special teams, uh, you're going to have to have a day against Dave Tobe's special teams, or they're going to gain an advantage on you in the return, in the coverage departments, because they're, they're top shelf at that. Seren Petro, 810WHB in Kansas City. We go back a long way. We've shared a few meals and a few drinks here or there back at the Syracuse University days. I know you got some great places to eat there. we got some great places and things to put on your meals here. I know uh, I'm on the radio a lot talking about my country sweet sauce, but you came up with a great idea. So uh, let's, let's get a little bet here. Tell everybody what your idea was because I'm down for this. All right, so we were going to go, uh, you know, Joe's Kansas City Barbecue is largely considered by, by many people uh, the best barbecue in Kansas City. And I always say if you're eighth best in Kansas City, you're no, no worse than ninth best in the world. Like, we take great pride in our barbecue. But Joe's started, first it was a championship uh, competition uh, barbecue team. They decided to open a restaurant. It was in a gas station uh, at 47th Admission, and that store is still there with the gas station. Right That's in the awesome. back. Now they have two beautiful other locations that they own, not franchised, owned by them. They they are very meticulous about their products and what they have. It's the best barbecue around. You can order it if you want. Joe'sKC.com. That's where you can go online and they'll send it to you. And it's amazing how they ship and keep the quality so high. But they are the iconic place. Bands come to town and play Sprint Center. They go to Joe's in the gas station. Baseball teams come to town. You know the teams that come in that have a little time. They go to Joe's. It's the iconic barbecue, and uh, we thought, okay, let's make a little wager. We'll go, you know, best versus, you know, best for best. Uh, Chiefs win, you got to send me some sauce, which uh, you, you know you mentioned. Uh, Bills win, 
I'm going to send you some Joe's Kansas City barbecue sauce and uh, and get some folks set up with some barbecue there in Buffalo. Oh, that sounds awesome. Let me tell you a little bit about Country Sweet because uh, it's a one-and-done cooking sauce, basically, is what I say and tell people all the time. So there's mild, there's hot, and there's barbecue. Yes, that's right. You can put it on barbecue, and you can do it with wings. You can do it – I'm not kidding you, sir. And you can you could, like put it on pizza, right? Fries, it doesn't matter. It basically goes with anything. It's it's a It's a sauce that you can – marinate with you can grill with you can dip with it's totally flexible like a good football player right and you got to be you got to the more you can do as they say in football the more you could do with country sweep and i've been talking about them for years they're amazing they have a restaurant uh over in rochester area but they have this sauce and they can ship it anywhere and that's what i'm going to do for you if the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Buffalo right. Bills you're going to enjoy some country sweet it's my one and done cooking sauce and my tagline i have to tell you it's all about the sauce. That's what it is. It's all about the sauce, Seren. So we got some great sauces here. Barbecue in Kansas City, sauce in Buffalo. So yeah, I definitely look forward to enjoying that. And um, yeah, man, some, that's going to taste good. I love that because it sounds like it's the Tyron Matthew of, uh, <laughs> of, of sauces. Uh, we like to say it's the Jordan Poyer of sauces here, okay, because he's okay. so versatile. Okay. He can do things. No, definitely. Hey, I look forward to it for sure. So uh, give, the, uh, give the website again where people can go check that out um, online. Yeah, joeskc.com, right? It's Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, and you'll see it. They've, they've got all their stuff there. They're, they're phenomenal. And if you ever make it to Kansas City, you got to go and make the pilgrimage to the original, right? I've got one of the fancy restaurants right by my house, so that's where we go as a family. But uh, you have to go to the iconic location, uh, the gas station. They're also voted number one fries in Kansas City. Their side dishes are amazing. They have chili. They have, you know, it's, it's just incredible food. And uh, so, listen, much love. I, I, you know I love upstate New York. Yep. You know, having gone to Syracuse and everything. So, and, and I think it's great to have the Bills back. I mean, congratulations to Bills fans. And it's great to see one of the best fan bases in football, you know, have a team that's worthy of them, right? The worthy of the great passion of the Bills fans. So either way, uh, everybody's a winner. And uh, hopefully we're talking about a lot of these games. Bills, Chiefs ends up being, uh, you know, the, the new uh, uh, Brady Manning is, is, is now Allen Mahomes. Uh, because I think it's two great fan bases that have deserved this kind of success for a long time. Yeah, I agree. By the way, countrysweet.com, there's lots of great recipe ideas there. It's the red label. That's what you look for when you go to your local grocery store. There's lots of places and locations you can buy that. I've said this from the days that I was back in Syracuse taking a Greyhound bus back for the home games at then Rich Stadium. I say it now as a professional broadcaster. I'm not saying it just because you're on this with me. Kansas City Chiefs fans have always been the nicest and gracious people. I've been around all the fans all around the country, all around the NFL. And I got to tell you, they really are. And you know, you can always get a fan base, a person here or there, people who spoil it like we have here in Buffalo for sure for everybody. But man, you know, I, I was so happy for you guys in Kansas City last year to to finally have that moment. I hope that the Bills and their fans can have it this year. You guys had it last year, but it really is. I, I think this is two of the nicest, best, most gracious fan bases that you can find. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, either way, I, I know who I'll be rooting for. It'll be the AFC team, whether it's mine or yours. Uh, that that's definitely going to be the rooting interest uh, when we get to the Super Bowl. All right, Seren. Thanks, buddy. And of course, uh, Seren Petro, you can hear him on WHB AM in Kansas City. You can follow him at Seren Petro online. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, always enjoy your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sal. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.